the series and uh, just talking about anchors. And uh, I want to continue in that vein of thought today. And if you have your Bibles, we'll be in Hebrews uh, 6, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19. And uh, today I want to just uh, uh, just speak to you today. I want to encourage you today. Uh, if you are here today and you feel hopeless, can I tell you, I have the hope of Jesus Christ in my life and in my heart. And I want to share that with you today. Amen. All right. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19 says this. I like the first part of this verse. I mean, I like the full verse, and there's more to it, but we're going to focus on the first part of this verse. It says, we have this sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. Everyone say that with me. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. All right. So the key to this verse is this, and this steadfast anchor of your soul is Jesus Christ and him alone. Amen. So let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for this day. God, I thank you for your word. God, I just feel your anointing in this house. God, I pray, Lord, that bondages would be broken, that lives would be changed today by the power of your word. God, I ask, Lord, that you would just use me how you see fit today. God, I am your vessel, nothing more. Have your will and way. In the mighty name of Jesus, we prayed. Everybody said? All right. Um, and I want to speak to you today on what are you holding on to? What are you holding on to? Um, anybody ever went tubing on a lake? All right. Some brave people have been tubing on a lake. The first time I went tubing, I was a teenager, and I, I believe I was dating Tristan. And um, her brother was my best friend until me and Tristan started dating. And then we slowly, be, me and him slowly began to grow apart, and I began to grow a little bit closer with Tristan. He, she was a lot prettier than he was. And, uh, but I used to hang out with their family a good bit, and they had a boat, and they would go out on the lake. And when I say they had a boat, they didn't have a fishing boat. No, they had a wakeboarding boat, like a, a, a true skiing boat, like a, an awesome boat. And um, while I was dating Tristan one time, I, I know we were tubing out on the lake, and uh, they asked me, they said, TJ, do you want to go tubing? And, and I really didn't think that much of it, and I thought, okay. And I jumped on the tube with my brother-in-law, and, uh, and not really thinking about it, uh, two of us. And the way that we did this is I put my arms this way, and then he put his arm over me, over, me, over my body a little bit just so we could hold on. And I didn't think about it this much, but Tristan's dad was driving the boat. I'm not 100% sure he didn't let a little aggression out on me on the lake that day. And all I know is we took off and, and we were just bouncing and flipping and just going all over the lake. And I was just hanging on for dear life. Well, I got to this point where I was, I was just, and my father-in-law could hear him up, up there laughing. <laughs> and while we're doing this, and I'm just screaming. At one point in the middle of this tubing incident... I just decide I'm going to just let go, and then it'll stop, right? If I let go, it'll finally stop. I'll go sliding across the water, but it'll hurt, but the pain will finally be over. And, and I thought, I'm going to let go. But my brother-in-law, who, who was much bigger than me, he, he was a lineman in football. I was a wide receiver. There's the difference in us two. And he had his arm over me, and when I let go, he cinched down to keep me on there. I think they had, I think my father-in-law may have gave him 20 bucks afterwards just to keep me on there and keep me. 
And I felt like we just got beat on the water back and forth. And, and, and I was willing to let go, but my brother-in-law said, no, 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 you can't let go. Don't quit. And here's what I know. Um, in this life, there's only one, uh, one firm and secure anchor in which to put our hope and to hold on to. And that's Jesus, uh, uh, Jesus Christ. And so here's a little refresher for you. Uh, we talked about anchors a couple of weeks ago. Um, an anchor is an amazing invention, right? It's an amazing used by fishermen and sailors for hundreds, if not thousands of years. And the basic concept of an anchor is this. It's a device, and it's normally made of metal, used to secure a vessel to the bed of a body of water to prevent the craft from drifting due to wind or current. That's his real simple definition. Now, I said this in uh, a couple weeks ago, and I, I think it, it is worth sharing again. I love this, the simplicity of this. An anchor is simple in its design, but powerful in its function. An anchor is simple in its design, but powerful in its function. So as you can imagine, an anchor needs to be strong enough to hold no matter how much tension and pressure is being put on it by the boat. As a matter of fact, after I, I was able to do this uh, sermon, I, I got to talk to Brad Richardson, and I got to talk to Kerry Poole. Those were the guys uh, that served in, in the Navy, and they began to just speak to me and tell me a little bit about anchors. And Brad sent me this picture. I pray that you have that up there uh, right here. And this is the USS Roosevelt. Is that right? Yeah, and this is the, the, the aircraft carrier that Brad served on. This is in February of 2006. This is in Turkey, correct? Turkey, all right? Um, and as you can see, it's an amazing, this is an amazing picture that he took while he was going in on leave there in, in, in Turkey for a few, few moments. But he turned around, he had a little digital camera, took this picture. I think it's pretty amazing. But I don't know, can you see the anchor that is dropped right here in the front of this? There's an anchor that's up, and then there's an anchor that's dropped right there on that aircraft carrier. How many has ever seen an aircraft carrier in real life? They are huge. They are amazing to see. And it's amazing to me that that single anchor can drop to the bottom there and hold that ship there in place and keep it from shaking. And so I want to tell you today that no matter what you're facing, no matter how bad a storm is, no matter how bad uh, the current is in your life, if you will put your hope and anchor in Jesus Christ and let him solidify you, he'll keep you. Amen? Uh, uh, amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. So I want to uh, just, this uh, Bible commentator, his name is Alexander McLaren. He's a Scottish uh, minister, was a Baptist minister, and he says this about the strength of an anchor, and he's talking about Hebrews 6.19 when he says this. A sure anchor is one which does not drag it is not too light for the ship that rides by it it has found its firm ground its flukes are all right and its belt it does not deceive the ship's crew may trust it can i tell you something you can trust in jesus an anchor which is steadfast or as the original word might be rendered firm is one that will not break how many know that jesus is not going to break but is strong in its own substance. How many know that Jesus is strong in his own substance? Amen. Made of good, tough iron so that there, there is no fear of the shank snapping and whatever strain may be put upon it. 
we may then say, listen, we may say, uh, then say generally that this object of the Christian hope is free from all the weakness and imperfections which cleave and cling to other objects. I want to I want to read that last statement again in that in that little uh, uh, statement that he said. We may then say generally that this object of the Christian hope, Christ, is free from all the weaknesses and imperfections which cleave and cling to other objects. Uh, I love that Christian hope is free from all weakness and imperfections which cleaves uh, uh, and clings to other objects because the truth is that there is only one firm and secure anchor and that is Jesus Christ and him alone all right so I, I want to just talk to you today uh, on that simple subject what are you holding on to number one uh, if you're a note taker you could write this down this is gonna be a little bit different than what I would normally do uh, but a lot of us oftentimes in our life have put our hope uh, uh, put false hope uh, put our hope in false things and false securities, a false hope and security, all right? How many How many can be honest today and say, there have been moments in my life where I put my hope in something that is false and not secure, all right? Um, and life is filled with false hope and security. We're, we're met with constant uh, barrage of promises, right? You can get on the internet and see all kinds of ads. This thing will make you healthy. This thing will make you wealthy, right? This is, this is a good resource of well-being, right? There are a lot of empty promises. Um, matter of fact, from an early age, uh, we, we begin to uh, learn that if we can get strong enough, smart enough, and save enough money, that everything will be all right. That's all good and dandy, and that's good for a little while until... It's not all right anymore because there's a point in your life where you're going to face some trials. You're going to face some situations. In this life, you will have trouble, right? It's what, what Jesus said. You will have troubles in this life. And, and, and so here's the thing. Um, uh, you know, I begin to think about this. There's been times in my life where I've put my hope in things that are not secure, and they were a false hope. But one of those things um, that I can remember off the top of my head was when I went to Brazil, and when I flew into Brazil, I missed my flight. That's a long story. Uh, it's for, but that's for a whole nother time. And when I, 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 when I flew into Brazil, I didn't fly with the, with the team I was supposed to be with. I said, I'm landing 24 hours after you guys. I asked the guy who was leading the, the group that I was with, I said, who's going to pick me up from the airport? He said, I don't know. Now, that's, that's really comforting, right? When you go to a new country where you don't speak the language and you don't know who's picking you up at the airport. This, I was like, I'm going to be on, I'm going to be on 48 hours, uh, or, you know, that, that show or whatever, or 2020, you know, the, the guy from America that went to Brazil and was picked up by a random person and killed in a field. And, you know, that's what's all going through my mind. But I remember when uh, they, they sent two guys to pick me up and, and one guy didn't spoke broken English and one guy spoke no English. What a great wel welcoming it was for me in Brazil, right, talking and trying to communicate. And they said, we're going to take you to this village. I mean, once I finally got that out of them, and we got in a car, and we drove five hours to the jungle, out in the middle of the jungle in Brazil. And, and in the process the, of, of that, even though they didn't speak very good uh, English at all, I was there. There was a universal language in that car that we all knew. 
And I'm going to tell you what it was. When the gas light came on in the car, I knew what that meant. I heard that ding, and I didn't say anything. And I was sitting in the back of the car, and the sweet brother turned around who, who knew a little bit of English, and he said, brother, we are driving by faith right now. Yeah, it's, it's, it was, and I remember being there in the middle of this jungle, and as we were going, and I remember looking, and I saw these signs, this many kilometers to this thing, this many kilometers, and there's nothing but jungle on the right and the left of us, and I'm like, oh, oh, we're not going to make it, we're not going to make it, and then I'm calculating in my mind, how many miles is this, and how many, I know that in America, that if my gas light comes on, I have about 40 miles, something like that, you know, 25 miles, whatever the case, and I'm trying to calculate what the gas mileage is on the car and all this stuff, and all this stuff is going through my mind, you know, and you guys don't worry about things like that, but there I was doing that, and I was back there in that back seat, God, extend this gas like you did the oil for the, for the, for the widow lady, for with Elijah, Lord, will you extend this gas, will you make this, and there we're going, we're going, 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 and then pop, 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 pop. We pull over to the side of the road, and I remember thinking, this is it. This is where I die. I'm out here in the jungle. This is it. I'm, you know, if I don't get killed by somebody, some bug or, or jaguar is going to come out of the, the jungle and kill us. And I remember thinking, at that moment, I pulled out my cell phone, and I looked at it. I looked at pictures of my kids and thought, no, I didn't. I wasn't that bad. But I looked at my cell phone. I had no reception. My hope couldn't be in that anymore. I pulled out my wallet. I had money in there. I had credit cards. Guess what? They were worthless to me at that point. And I had put my hope, and oftentimes we put our hope in things that we think are, are going are gonna to make a difference. Well, in that moment, they could not. I remember a, a, on, a, on a little bit more of a serious note, when Tristan's uh, younger sister, she, she had cancer. And I remember we prayed, and we prayed, and we prayed, God, heal her, heal her, heal her. God, will you just touch her body? And we just believed God for a miracle. And the doctors would say, this is all we can do. And there was a moment where we, all we could do is just pray and just put our hope in Jesus. And there are moments like that in our lives. And, and like me, this affects all of us. So, so don't feel singled out or that, to think that I'm picking on you when I'm talking about putting our hope in false things. There are moments. And all of us uh, have at one time or another put our hope in things that couldn't deliver. Let me give you some, some examples. Some of us have put our hope in our health. I did this a lot when I was younger. The older I get, the more I realize. Sometimes it's a struggle to get out of bed in the morning. Someone said, just wait, Pastor. <laughs> Man, I got the amen crew over here. Just wait. Our health. Some, sometimes we put our hope in our health. But here's the thing. This is what I know. We live in a fallen world. We are not promised tomorrow. We don't know if, if our health will hold on. We pray that it does. Here's another thing that we put our hope in, our wealth. Our wealth. Hey, I've got this money, and this is what is going to sustain me. This is what's going to keep me. Uh, here's another one that we put our hope in, our intellect. I'm smart. I've got 17 degrees. And know nothing. No. Um, how smart I am. I, 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 I'll figure this out. I, I've got it all under control. 
How about this? Our relationships, who we know. I've got connections. They'll help me. They'll get me through. Um, what, what, about, what about this? Our careers. Oh, man, uh, you know, uh, some of you have experienced the, of, of being let go from a job. And not because you were a bad, bad person, but just because it was, they had to downsize for whatever reason. And, you know, and, and maybe you've put your hope in worldly substances. Oh, now that one's quiet. Crickets, 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 crickets on that one. And the list goes on and on and on and on. But this is, this is uh, one lesson we've all had to learn the hard way. We're, you know, when we put our hope in, in things like that in this world system, our world system is broken. And those things are going to let you down time and time and time and time again. Amen. And so uh, uh, what is this thing in your, and let me ask you this. What is this thing in your life that calls for your allegiance and loyalty? Think about that for a moment. Is it, is, it, is it your strength? Is it your smarts or your possibility of your savings account? Is it a job title? Is it a position? Is it a relationship? Here's the good news. Here's the good news um, today is that no matter what that thing is, I can promise you Jesus is better. No matter what you think your hope is, Jesus is better. Jesus is better. Uh, I, I love that song that says, on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. That means my relationships, that means my wealth, that means my health, that means all those things that I listed. Listen, but on Christ, I have a firm foundation. Amen? So here, here's what, if you're there today, you say, hey, uh, Pastor, maybe I, I have put my, my hope in, in things that aren't secure, that are false, that, that I thought it's a false security I thought I had. Well, here's, here's what I want to tell you today. Uh, this is what the Lord would say today. Come home. Everyone say, come home. Here's point number two. Come home right here. Here's the thing. All of us, everybody in here, everybody, everyone say, everybody. All right. You got to say it like an everybody, all right? Uh, all right. All of us are guilty of misplaced hope from time to time in our lives. But can I tell you something? Today is the day you can come home to the hope that, that Christ is. The good news, this is what I love about Jesus. Jesus is patient. Jesus is patient. How many of you parents lose your patience with your kids? How many of you are not being honest in this building right now? And the Lord is patient with us. And here's the thing. Um, he, he's always ready for us to return to him. I love this. Look at this. It's 2 Peter 3, chapter 3, verse 8 and 9 says this. I like this. I like how, how this is written. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years to one day. Verse 9 says this. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises as some count slowness, but is what? Towards you. <laughs> not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. So the Lord is patient with us. The Lord is patient with us. And his patience has nothing to do with slowness and everything to do with salvation. 
some of us wonder, hey, hey, I want the Lord to come back. I want the Lord to do great things. The Lord is patient because the Lord cares about souls. I, I really love this verse. Today, uh, know that there is a God who loves you and desires that you would not perish. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you know that Jesus wants a relationship with, relationship with you. Matter of fact, John 3.16 tells us, for, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that none should what? That's his goal. He doesn't want you to perish. He wants to have a relationship with you and wants to bring you in. So look at this. I love the story of Luke 15. It's one of my favorite Bible stories. There's a lot in Luke. There's three stories, actually. But Luke 15 tells the story of the prodigal son. And here's the the. the the, the story, I'm not gonna, I was going to read it, but I'm not going to read it. And this is what happens. The younger son goes to his father and he says, hey, I want my inheritance. His father's still alive. And basically what he says to his dad that day is, you are as good as dead to me because I would rather you be dead because I want what is coming to me from you. I want what's mine. And this is what happens. The younger son, he takes that uh, inheritance and he goes to another faraway land and he spends it and he blows his money and he thinks he has friends. And how many know you have friends as long as you got money? But once the money's gone, you'll find out who your true friends are, right? And, and, and he, his friends are no longer there and he finds himself in a pig pen in a terrible place, doing things that he never thought he would have to do. And here's what happened to the younger son. He misplaced his hope. He put his hope in an inheritance. But the true fact of the matter is hope was in the father the whole time. He didn't realize it, but he took his inheritance and he chases after earthly things and earthly pleasures and experiences and eventually all his money and all his energy are gone, and he's left standing there with nothing. Nada. Zilch. Anybody ever been there? For all, all of the hope of starting a new life, he thought, I'll start a new life. I'll start a new fu a future without my father. And while he thought he could get a grasp on that, it slipped through his hands. Anybody ever try to catch sand with your hands? You ever, as a kid, you know, you throw sand up and you try to catch as much of it? Am I the only weird person that did, did that? Okay, try that sometime, all right? Next time you go to the beach, grab some sand, throw it up, see how much you can catch in your hands and watch how much will slip through your fingers. And that's what he's trying to do is basically catch something that is not tangible that he can catch. He was grasping and, and trying to catch sand and it was hopeless because his hope was not secure. I love this. This is, is or so he thought. I like that. Uh, through, through this story, we get an amazing picture of divine love and acceptance. And this is what happens. As the son realizes his error and his lost hope, he decides to go home. I, I, just a beautiful picture. I, here I am. I'm in the pig pen. I shouldn't be doing this. I'm hungry. I'm starving. Uh, and, and there I am. I'm lost. <sighs> I guess I'll go home. Because if I go home, guess what? Even my father's servants do better than this. And I can go home, and I can ask my dad if I can be a servant. And he'll let me be a servant. And here's what he knows. He decides to go home. Can I tell you something? The father's house is full of hope. The father's house is full of hope. Now, see, he thought he was going to be a servant. 
But here's what happened. When he came home, he found out in this, in this beautiful story that Jesus told that the father was sitting there waiting on him. And today, maybe you've misplaced your hope. And can I tell you something? The father is sitting here in a house full of hope waiting on you saying, I'm here. I've been here the whole time. And you don't have to come back and be a servant. That You can come back. You are a son. And I love this story, this story because uh, he's sitting there. He is waiting on him, and he saw him, and he met him. So, too, will Jesus. He'll meet you right where you're at today. Maybe you've been struggling, and you've put your hope in a lot of things. Jesus is there to meet you. And I love this because the father didn't scold him, and he didn't put shame on him, but he just hugged him kissed him and he put a ring on his finger and he said hey we're gonna have a party matter of fact the son he came to him and said dad i i've messed up i i ask you to forgive me i'll be your servant and the dad just shuts him down right there and he begins to talk to his servants he says go go kill the fatty calf get a get a robe for my son put a ring on his finger because my son has come home and the very thing the very hope that we thought just was halfway hope, God goes a step further and gives real hope, tangible hope. Amen? I don't know about you, but I've been there in my life where I've, I've put my hope in false things. And then I've had to turn back to the Lord and say, God, I'm coming back home and I'm sorry. How many are tired of, uh, of trying everything in the world has to offer only to find meaningless and it's hopeless? Over and over again, some, some of us simply need to just come home to our Heavenly Father, to the place where our hope and our faith are. Here's what I say today, God, this is me. Forgive me for putting my hope in everything else and not in you. Forgive me for grabbing an anchor that is not grounded in you, for thinking that it, it is the thing that I can hold on to. Uh, uh, there's, uh, and here's what, what I know. The things I've put my, my hope in, they're, they're weak and they're fleeting. And there's no security in them. And we have this, sh the, the verse that I read says this, we have this as a sure and a steadfast anchor of the soul, and that's Jesus Christ. His name is Jesus. And he's saying this today, hey, come home. Maybe you've put your, your, your false hopes in, and your false securities into other things, and Jesus is just sitting there saying, I'm here. Come home. I'll help you with that. I'll help you. If you're tired, come home. If you've messed up, come home. If you've failed, come home. Everyone say, come home. So here's the next portion I want to get out. If you, if, you, if you put your hope in false security, the first step is you've got to come home. Here's the second thing right here. And listen, I believe this is where most of us are today, is this, simply this. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. Y'all are like, whoa, this is fast today. Praise the Lord, right? It's like Marcus is preaching up in here. Don't worry, I got four more pages of notes. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus goes into a lengthy teaching about our motivation, about anxiety, fear, and then, of course, the hope we have in the kingdom. I want you to look at this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 and 21. Jesus would say this. 
Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Verse 20 says this, but lay up for yourselves what? Treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Um, here's what I could tell you. Earthly treasures will be destroyed. That's what the scripture tells us. Or worse, even stolen. Um, I, how many love to get a new car? How many love to get a new boat? How many love to get a new house? Those things are great. And we need those things at times. But those things are fleeting. When you put your worth in a car, you know what happens? You got your new car. You're proud of it. You come to church. You park by Dustin or Dustin parks by you. I'm just teasing. I need to get, a, I need to get a, some spray paint and paint a spot for Dustin out there where he can park. I'm teasing him. But we put our hope in vehicles. And they rust in Indiana, right? We put our hope in houses and, and they, they flood unexpectedly. And the wind blows and the roof breaks and trees fall over. And things that we thought were great are fleeting in, in, in the grand scheme of things, what Jesus is getting at. How many have ever heard that statement? They don't make things like they used to. Everyone over 40 said. Yeah, I begin to think about that. And it just doesn't seem like they built things really to last much longer, more or less to be replaced. You know, we used to fix all of our refrigerators and stuff. Now it's just cheaper to just buy a new one than it is to fix it. Like, like anyways, this is what happens. Things, things won't last in this earth. I was I was reading this last week, and I have a friend in California, and worked at the same job for 23 years. Amazing, awesome, cool story. And, and I, I saw that they had posted something. I believe it was a couple weeks ago. They had posted something and said, I, "I've lost this week fifteen thousand dollars in my 401k." I was like, Ooh, "Ouch! That hurts." And her hope in her retirement was failing because of the moth will eat it or the government will steal it. And somebody said, amen, right? But here's the thing. The truth is things get lost and damaged or stolen all the time. Matter of fact, I want you guys to pray about something. Uh, this Thursday night, uh, uh, one of our churches in Michigan had a fire. I don't know how it started. Don't know. But their whole church burned down. Revival Center, Cadillac, Michigan. Um, the whole church burned down. I saw pictures of it. The pastor got on there. It's amazing. Today they're having church under a tent on their property right next to their burnt building. He said the church, the building's burnt down, but the church is still existing. I love that. And, and things that we think are important or are not important. 
things get lost and damaged. And if we aren't careful, the things that we put our hope in, when they fail, we lose our hope. Amen. Some of us have put our hope in people. When they fail, we lose our hope. Right? Happens sometimes. And it's easy for us to put our our hope in the wrong things. And this is why Jesus offers us so many corrective thoughts throughout Matthew chapter 6. If you go down to verse 31 and 34 in Matthew chapter 6, he goes on to say this. Jesus says, therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For all you ladies who are worried about what you're going to wear the next day, Jesus says, don't worry about it. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows what, uh, uh, that you need them all. Look at this, verse 33. But what? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be what? Needed. Verse 34. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself, sufficient for the day in its own trouble. I, I love this. So many are worried about little things. What am I going to eat? What will I wear? Let's go a little bit deeper. Property values right now. Gas prices. They go down five cents. We get excited, right? The economy. Our government leadership. Some of us put our hope in our sports team. Last night we were eating um, somewhere and they had um, a baseball game on. And I'm a big St. Louis Cardinal fan. It was the Cardinals versus the Cubs. They were tied, and and Wyatt was there, and Wyatt just started bad-mouthing the Cardinals. He's a Cardinals fan, but he was bad-mouthing them because they'd lost a few games in a row. And he just said, they're just doing terrible. And I said, hang on just a second. And then they won the game, and I was like, mm-hmm. You know, when you meet a die-hard sports fan whose team has lost, it's awful, right? What's the matter with you? My team lost. Really? That's what your hope is in? But when we're anxious or worried, it shows that our hope has been misplaced. It means that we've put it in the wrong, and we're grasping in the wrong place. Verse 33 says, but seek first the kingdom of God and it and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So Jesus' solution to all of this is seek first the kingdom of God. It's, that's pretty simple, right? Uh, let me spell it out for all you guys up there in the balcony. Yeah, you guys thought I forgot about you. It's like this. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Amen. God is faithful. We have to seek him first. Seek him. He is our hope. Amen. He's secure foundation. He's And wrap your arms around the kingdom. Wrap your arms around Jesus. Wrap your arms around his teaching. Wrap 
your arms around his people. Are we perfect? No. But let me tell you something. We'll love you. We'll do our best. And I love this. This is a divine, corrective, misplaced hope for us. I love it. Jesus just spells it out for us. McLaren said this, weaknesses and imperfections which cleave and cling to other objects. Those things are easily destroyed. They're easily damaged. In fact, Jesus, he mentions this. Every single day we live out. We shouldn't worry about it because don't worry about tomorrow because today's just going to take care of itself. Jesus is pretty laid back, like in that sense. I love that. Here's the thing. We have to let go of our false securities. Put our hope back into the one secure anchor, and that's Jesus Christ. Amen. I want to close, and I just want to draw your attention to this story here in Mark chapter 10, verse 17 through 23. I'm going to read this, and, and I'll come to a closing. It says this. This is Jesus. And as he was setting out on his journey, a man came up to him, knelt before him, and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Look at this. And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Look at this, verse 19. You know the commandments, do not, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor, honor your fa- father and mother. Verse 20. And he said to him, teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. Look at this. And Jesus looking at him, loved him. I want you to look at that. Jesus loved him. And said to him, lovingly correction right here and said to him you lack one thing go and sell what you have and give to the poor and you will have a treasure in heaven and come follow me look at this verse 22 disheartened by the saying he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions verse 23 Jesus looked around and said to his disciples how difficult will it be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God this is not a a, a breakdown on wealth, okay? This is not, it's, it's okay if you have money. Listen, it's not okay for money to have you. My hope is not in money. My hope is in Jesus Christ and him alone. So look at this. Here we see the story of a young man who desperately wants to follow Jesus. And he says to Jesus, I have kept all these commandments. I have kept them since I was young. I have lived this life. I have done good. I have listened to teachings and I have, I have done well then Jesus, and and only the lovingly corrective way, a truthful way, Jesus fashion identifies another thing in the young man's life that has captured his hope. Hey, yeah, one last thing, buddy. Your wealth, your possessions, sell those things. They got your hope. And here's the thing, those things had had a tight grip on that young man. And when Jesus tells him, Uh, To let go of all his wealth and follow him, the young man becomes sad and leaves. You know why? Because he knew what had his hope. He wasn't willing to let go of that thing. See, this story, it highlights something for you and me. We all struggle with. And it's not necessarily money. I don't want you to, uh, it's not necessarily money. It could be. But although, uh, uh, you know, it may be your case. But it's the fact that we grow attached to things we place our hope in. And this young ruler clearly had a lot of attachment to his wealth. So much was he attached to his hope and his wealth that he could not put it down and let it go. 
And today, I think some of us in our lives, we've put our hope in a lot of things. But in this time and in this hour, we need to put our hope in Jesus. Will you bow your heads with me all across this building? I know this was a little bit different today. Jesus made that statement. Go home, sell everything you have, then follow me. And Jesus said that statement so the young man would loosen his grip on his wealth and tighten his grip on Christ. Sometimes we have such a tight grip on the things of this world, we won't let go. Today, if you're here today, sound of my voice and say, Pastor, that's me. I put my hope in some false things. I, I, I feel like the prodigal. I feel lost. And I know all I need to do is just come home. If that's you today, and you say, Pastor, you're, you're speaking to me. It's, it's the Holy Spirit. It's not me. I promise it's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. Say, under the sound of my voice, no one looking around. Feel the unction of the Holy Spirit dealing with you and say, Pastor, will you pray with me? Would you just lift your hand? Anybody in the building today? Thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Maybe you're here today and you say, hey, I, I, I've misplaced my hope. I, I, I'm not seeking the kingdom first. There's some things that I've got out of whack. I need to, I need to put my hope back in the secure firm foundation of Jesus Christ. If that's you, would you just lift your hand and say, that's me, Pastor. No one look, thank you, thank you, thank you. Will you stand with me all across this building? Let's just pray to, today. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for each and every person today. God, for every hand that was raised. God, I pray, Lord, that you would bring light Lord, that you would soften hearts. Lord, that you would help us to see things that have been distractions. Things that we've put our hope in that are not secure. Things that are false. False hope. False security. That today, Lord, we recognize that and we say, Lord, we put our hope in you. We say yes to you, Jesus. You alone, to your kingdom. We seek your kingdom. God, we wrap our arms around who you are, your teachings, and your people. And we say, God... We're diving in head first. God, we give up those things and we say, God, our hope is in you and you alone. Lord, we worship you and we honor you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God, I pray, Lord, that you seal this word today, Lord, with your mighty power and your mighty presence today. By the Holy Spirit, Lord. Come on, give Jesus a hand clap of praise.